chapter 32, uh, beginning with verse 22. Genesis chapter 32 and 22. If you have it, say amen. If you don't have it yet, say wait one sec, Dave. Amen. If you don't have it, it's up here on the screen for you so you can follow along. Amen. Word of God reads, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two slave women, and his eleven sons and crossed the fort of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream along with all of his possessions. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When a man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed them there. Jacob then named the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and he said, yet my life has been spared. I want to speak today around the topic, meet me at the crossroad. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to bless and thank you, God, again, for this opportunity to proclaim your word to your people. Um, I pray, Lord, that again, Lord, that you would speak to me first. And then, Lord, out of the overflow, Lord, that you would speak to your people. Lord, that you would meet us at the point of our need today. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, your people have come today to hear from you. And we thank you, Lord, that you have a rhema word for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I was very fortunate to be on a search team uh, that helped secure uh, this building, this building for our church And while we were looking around the city of Wilmington, um, this building became a no-brainer just because of the the size and and the location of this church. The name of the prior church that was here was Crossroads, which was fitting because of where it sits. There are four different cultural, racial, and socioeconomic neighborhoods um, that surround our church, which made it a great minding field for, for our body. As we look into the story of Jacob today, I want you to begin to ask yourself where God may be leading you to a crossroad. In other words, where several things are converging in your journey with him. Let's let's look back at the history of Jacob. See, Jacob was the son of one of of the sons of uh, Isaac and uh, Rachel. He was actually the younger son. And Jacob's name in Hebrew, it's a Hebrew idiom that means deceptive or deceiver. And an idiom is is simply um, something like raining cats or dogs. We know right now it's raining outside, but they're not literally cats and dogs falling from the sky. But because of the the position when when, uh, Esau and, and Jacob were born, of course, we know that Esau came out first. And that as Esau was being pulled from his mother's womb, Jacob was holding on to his heel, almost to say, no, I want to come out first. So let's look back. If you look, if you have your Bible and you want to trace back with me, it's in Genesis chapter 25, 23. 
And the word of God reads this. It says, before Jacob was born, his mother Rachel noticed that her twin babies jostled with each other within her. And she said, why is this happening? So she went to inquire with the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were two boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob or heel grabber or the deceiver. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So the first thing we want to notice here is that Jacob started off with an identity that he didn't choose for himself. In other words, he had this identity of a of a deceptive person. He was a heel snatcher. There was a label given to him from birth. Many of you today have come in with labels that you may not have necessarily chosen for yourself today. In other words, in, in my day, they would call a, a little girl that, you know, played with boys. and They, 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 would, they would say, she's a little fast. She might have just been a tomboy that liked to play outside. Or he's a thief. Could have been a little guy in the candy store, saw a snicker, wanted it, put it in his pocket. But as a little kid, he just didn't know better. But he was labeled a thief or maybe a bum, a druggie, one of these lazy millennials that, you know, don't want to get a job. You're shiftless. You're a troublemaker. And there are people that have treated you like this label all of your life, never given you a chance because they already have a description of who you are. So much so that you've begun to operate in this rendition of of yourself unwittingly and unwillingly. But I'm here to let you know that Jesus gives us a new identity in him. When we believe in what he has done for us at the cross, we are we are children of God. We are heirs with Christ Jesus. Amen. So let's contrast the two brothers. So there's Esau. The Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 21 that Jacob favored this son. And if I can use my sanctified imagination, I can paint the picture of, of, of Esau. Esau was like um, Stone Cold Steve Austin in wrestling. He cracked the two beers and drank them on the top turnbuckle. You know, <laughs> you know he loved MMA fighting. He, he, could, he worked with his hands. He was a rough and tumble type of guy. He was a man's man. So it was easy for his father to favor Esau. Isaac favored Esau. But then you have Jacob. And the Bible says in the same passage of Genesis 25 that there was Jacob. He was a mild man who preferred to stay in tents. So I get the picture of this guy. He's kind of a techie. You know, he's a nerd. He's a geek. He's a geek. (laughs) Who preferred to stay in air-conditioned offices on his Mac computer with his headset on making shrewd business decisions behind his cubicle, you know. And he was a mama's boy, you know. His mother, his mother favored him in that way. You know what the result of this was? Jacob had daddy issues because he, he wasn't that rough and tumble guy. Sometimes 
parents do us a misservice because we're the kid isn't an ideal of what we think they should be. And we sell them short based on not acknowledging the perfect gift that God has already made them. Amen. So this 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 guy had he had daddy issues. There was no affirmation. There was no validation. He had a, he developed what we what we would call a negative sense of self. Many of us today, if we think about it, the relationship we have now with God is closely attached and resembles our relationship with our earthly father. If we had a father, if he was a cruel taskmaster that was very disciplined, we may look at God as a taskmasking disciplinarian. That's harsh. We had a loving father that cared for us, that allowed us to weep and be tender. We see God as a tender, loving, caring, patient man. Some of us don't have a father at all, so we don't have a connection to him. So he seems distant and foreign, and we have no place in his kingdom. Amen. He had daddy issues. Genesis 26 says, through a shrewd business transaction, Esau sold Jacob his birthright, which means Jacob now had the, a double portion of his father's inheritance. I mean, he was a deceiver, so it was easy for him to say, listen, man, I know you've been tired out there hunting. I just made this stew. I mean, it has beef, potatoes, onions. I know it smells good. You can have a bowl, but um, by the way, that birthright of yours, you, you don't need that, do you? And the funny thing about it is Esau says in the Bible, he says, well, I am getting old and I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know how long I'm going to live. Kind of concentrating on his immediate need and foregoing his, his, his inheritance for a bowl of soup. And that's what exactly would happen. So this, this transaction goes down. And then the next thing you know, we see in Genesis 22 that Jacob and Jacob's mom is conspiring to steal the blessing from Isaac the father because Isaac he grew old in age and now he was blind right he couldn't see and there was a moment so so again we remember Rebecca had faith his her favorite was was uh Jacob and so she wanted this 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 blessing to come to her her baby this is my baby right so they, they, they came up this, with this plan. This is what I want you to do. Go get a wool blanket. That, that's going to feel like your hairy brother. <laughs> and we're going to take it out in the woods, and we're going to, you know, drag it through some dung, you know, make it smell real woodsy, you know, maybe put a little uh, blood on there, whatever, to make it smell woodsy. And you're going to go in, and you're going to pretend to be your brother. And we're going to get this birthright because you deserve it. How dare he treat that older brother better than you? You're my baby, baby boy. So this, it went down. And make a long story short, he went in there. He lied to his father. He said, it's me, and blessed me. And he got the blessing. Esau got scammed twice, once with the help of his own mother. He had his birthrights swindled from him, and he had his blessing stolen from him. So here's the third thing I want you to notice from this um, rendition, this story, is that he was a mama's boy that developed an extended and or delayed adolescence that was reinforced by his name, the deceiver. He, he didn't grow up. He didn't. In other words, mama helped him get through stuff. 
She didn't let him have that relationship. She didn't have like, listen, you need to have a conversation with your father if you feel like he's not giving you the love you deserve. But instead, they, they conspired and took a shortcut. And that kept him in a place where he couldn't mature to the place of confronting his father. Further reinforcing his name, the deceiver. Have you ever struggled to know if the label that you have been given is from others or if it's self-imposed? Sometimes we allow people close to us to continue to perpetuate the vision of how life should be rather than trust God for his plan. Was it was it our idea to take the shortcut or do we already have it within us? And the illustration I want to give you years ago, there was a, um, a, a TV show called Bobby and Whitney. And we remember Whitney, Whitney Houston. The, <laughs> she um, she had this she had this um, one time she she sung at the Super Bowl. Right. And she sung the national anthem and she sung it so well that it was like the number one song for like two or three weeks. And it was the national anthem. It had been sung millions of times all over the world. Right. But in this in this show, in this in this show, we see a different side of Whitney. We see her kind of strung out. We see her, you know, drinking and talking with slurred speech, looking emaciated. And we're wondering, wait, did did Bobby do that to her? Or was there something already inside of her that came out that Bobby just exposed and let be free? We don't know. People argue it both ways. Bobby did that to her. No, she was like that. Bobby just let her loose. Amen. What is the label on you? Is it self-imposed or is it something that someone gave gave to you? So because of um, Jacob swindling his older brother out of his birthright, the double portion, because he stole the blessing. That means your, your, your people, your uh, offspring will have the blessing of God's favor from here on out. Esau was very, very upset and he wanted to kill his brother. Rightfully so. You took everything of, of importance to me that made me who I am. You took my role. You took my place. And what, what did Rebecca do as a, as a, as a mother that, that loved that, that, that baby? She sends Jacob away because his brother Esau wanted to kill him, right? She sends him away to live with her brother Laban. And in our urban context, that happens today. If you think about it, you know, when I grew up, I had friends or, you know, it might have been a female friend that went away down south to, to have a baby. And we didn't know why she went away. She just disappeared and came back a couple years later, looked different. And now is this, she's pushing the stroller or walking the toddler around. Or can I can I keep it real? It, there's, there's, <laughs> there, are, there are people that I ran with that when they got in trouble, they, they would get bench warrants and they would go stay, you know, in a different state until things blew over. But I'm here to let you know that when you run away from your problems, they don't leave unless you face them head on. No matter where you go, you take you with you. So things may die down, but your conscience will bother you, and those memories will stay with you. In Genesis 31, it says this. Jacob winds up working for Laban for 20 years under the very, very cruel conditions. In fact, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, 
part of the Bible where he, he says that he changed his pay 10 times during this 20-year period. Like he kept saying, all right, well, you did that work, but don't you owe me for this? So let me deduct it, that sort of thing. But not only that, he worked seven years to marry one of his daughters only to say, nope, can't have that one. You got to marry the oldest one. So he had to work another seven years to marry the wife that he really wanted, right? Then he tacked on another six years just for GP. And so now he's, he finds himself working 20 years under cruel conditions in his own strength, losing money, losing ground, probably in a position in a place where God never intended for him to be. But what happened? He ran away from his problems. Sometimes you may be working very hard to move ahead, but you may be like the person that fought to climb up the corporate ladder only to find that your ladder is on the wrong building. He's striving to do things in his own strength without checking in with God. And when you don't do that, when you don't check in with God, it leads to to, to delays. It just delays your purpose. You're running from him, but it just delays your purpose. The Bible says that tomorrow's not promised. So I would exhort to you today to submit to Jesus Christ today while you still have time. Have you ever worked like a dog to get ahead, but there was like a taskmaster in place changing the rules and moving the finish line every time you turned around? How many times have you found yourself working your butt off trying to catch up to stay ahead only to find that the environment that you're working in is kind of antagonizing you, right? The boss cutting your hours, others moving ahead of you, not qualified because you don't have certain certifications, but more experienced and gifted than your boss and coworkers that are moving ahead. Jesus said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's never, he's never going to be a hard taskmaster. But we have to get to a place where we su- submit our desires and our hopes and our dreams and our passions to him. But it's not, it's not over yet. So, so he's working for this evil, not evil, for this, this taskmaster. I don't want to call him evil because the Bible doesn't call him evil. But Laban's, Laban's sons start a rumor that Jacob was scheming to take over the family business. In other words, it's like he's funneling money to his bank account. It's actually a lie. But again, what's his reputation? He's a deceiver. So say eventually he's going to try to get over on us. Because why, why is he doing so well as herding our sheep and doing business with other farmers? And, you know, we're growing, but his, the things that he's acquiring looks equivalent to ours. He must be stealing some stuff. He must be getting over. Because after all, he's been a deceiver since birth. My sister, the one that brought him over here, told me about it. That's why he's down here in in North Carolina hiding out anyway in the first place. (laughs) Down in Charlotte. Watch this. (laughs) So watch this. God will create a perfect storm for you, just like he did for Jonah to get his attention. When he, when he refused to go to Nineveh to speak to God's people, God hurled a storm at him. We should be grateful when God hurls a storm at our way. You know why? Because he's trying to get our attention. He loves us so much that he's not going to leave us alone in the middle midst of our mess. Amen. 
So in Genesis 31, Jacob gets wind of Laban and his sons planning to come after him and takes his family, his livestock, and all of his possessions that he's accumulated, and he runs. He's out. He's like, man, the, the, the brother's about to get me. Laban's about to get I got to get out of here. They think I'm trying to rob him. We find that Laban sets out to go after Jacob, but God intervenes. Somebody say, but God. But God intervenes. The good news is that God intervenes even when we don't see him working it out. There's so many things in our life that God has protected us from, foolish decisions that we've made, people that tried to intercept our blessing, people that tried to come after us, people that tried to, things that we've done to ourselves. We, always, we often uh, talk about the hens coming home to roost the law of reciprocity, and sometimes God doesn't give us every, every seed that's sown. He doesn't let to come to fruition because it, would, it, would, it wouldn't be a good crop, and he holds it back. But Jacob doesn't know that, so as he's running away, he's headed back towards his mother and his father's land. So we see here that God is setting up a one-on-one meeting at the crossroad with Jacob. And so that brings us to our text today in Genesis 32:22. Genesis 32:22 says this. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two slave women, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across this, the stream along with all of his possession. My one and only point today is this, and you can write it down if you wish. It is this. It's intentionally engage with the father regularly in solitude so that he can show you who you are. I'm going to say it again. Intentionally engage with the father regularly in solitude so that he can show you who you are. The Bible says that Jacob sent his family and possessions ahead of him across the river, Jabrach. He separated himself from everything and everyone. Jabrach is, is translated from the Hebrew root word meaning empty yourself or empty itself. So he separated himself to empty himself. So many times we try to hear from God in the midst of our busy lives. We fail to tune out life. When was the last time you turned off all the electronics, all the t- TV sets, the radios, the iPods, uh, you, t- you, you unplugged the cell phones, you didn't go on Facebook to check your likes or Instagram to see if you got any hearts, and you just said, you know what, I need to unplug, I'm going to go to a park, I'm going to go to a, a quiet place, I don't care if you, it's your prayer closet, but I'm going to go to a place and I'm going to have a one-on-one encounter with God, where we remove all the clutter, we block out all the noise, and we just suck with God. Genesis 32, 24 says this, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled, and he dislocated his hip. So let's just recap. Jacob struggled from the, from, the, from the womb. He started off with an identity that he didn't choose. He was labeled as a child a deceiver, that you're a deceptive little boy. You're a person that can't be trusted. He had daddy issues 
because Isaac favored his big brother. He, he liked his personality. He liked his, his rough and rugged personality. He was a mama's boy that developed a delayed adolescence and it, that was reinforced by his name deceiver. He didn't have to face his daddy. He didn't have to have that tough, tough conversation because he had his mom to rescue him in those, in those times. But what, what did God do? God created a perfect storm and sent him on a run. Now, God is setting up a one-on-one with Jacob at the crossroads. Jacob finds himself all alone, struggling with the man from the middle of the night until daybreak. When you begin to wrestle with God, your answers will not be come. They won't come in an instant. Sometimes you have to tarry with the father for a little while. The Bible says, then he said to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless my name. Jacob used every technique. He used every strategy, every hold, every move to overpower the man. But the Bible says that when the man saw Jacob, that Jacob was not going to give up the fight. He touched the hip of his socket and commanded Jacob to let go. Jacob replied, I will not let go until you bless me. When you're going after God, you got to have a certain level of tenacity. You got to say, you know what, God, there's a breakthrough, and I know that I can only get it from tarrying with you. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not coming out of this closet. I'm not going to break this fast. I'm not going to break this prayer until I hear from you. I want to be changed today. The angel of the Lord ended the wrestling match when he realized that Jacob had come to the end of himself and knew who he was fighting, but he still wouldn't let go. Some of us are wrestling and fighting God in the wrong spirit for the right reason. Some in the right spirit for the wrong reason. Either way, God will meet you at the crossroad and work with your desire to meet him there. Earlier in Jacob's life, Jacob conspired to steal a blessing that was not rightfully his from his father. But now Jacob is found here fighting to be given a blessing of his identity in Christ from his heavenly father. You want to know what his plea was? His plea was, bless me, God. I'm desperate for you, Lord. Who, who am I? You're the only one that can tell me who I am. What is my purpose here? People have given me a label, but that's not who I am. That's not me. And I know that you know who I am. Bless me, God. What is your name, the man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob. He said, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And you are willing to empty yourself to get closer to me. Are you willing to empty yourself in solitude at the crossroad? Shut out all the noise and all the distractions for a season. 
Are you willing to face the demons of your past? Forgive yourself for your past in order to move into your purpose. How bad do you want to hear from God? Some of you today need to forgive your parents for how they raised you. They did the best they can, but they dropped the ball in some areas. They might have favored a brother or sister. They might have gave you a label that you didn't deserve, you didn't want to walk in. But are you willing to step on faith and trust God for a lifestyle change, for a name change, to figure out what your purpose is? Are you willing to make these, these trips here every day to church to be more than just a Sunday ritual, but, but, but an opportunity to get transmitted a, a word from God so that it can change your life? God's not interested in rituals. He's interested in a relationship. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask? Jacob was asking, God, is that you? Is that really you this time? Even though he's been wrestling with them all, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. But is that really you? Many of us today are asking and wrestling with these issues, relational issues, job issues, health issues, addiction issues, faith issues. And we're wrestling with God and he's given us a new identity. We're, we're wondering, is that you? Is that you, Father? You got to know that he's given you the answers. God is prompting you to step out on faith. You've been wrestling with God over past issues and he's given you the answers. But you haven't moved. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not yet. And sometimes God says I already answered that and you haven't moved. You haven't been faithful with the word that I've already given you. So there is no other word. When the miraculous blessings come your way that you have been praying for, that you've trusted God for, when they begin to come about, I need you to act like you know and give God praise. Even right now, as you're sitting in your seats, I want you to begin to give God praise for the breakthrough that he's desiring in your life. Acknowledge him for how he's maneuvering in your life. Allow him to rewrite your history. Take time out to be alone with him because he's waiting for you to leave everything behind and seek him out. I'm done here today, but I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with the definition of crossroads definition of crossroad is a point at which a crucial decision must be made that will have far-reaching consequences. Today I'm going to implore that you make a decision today. You make a decision to say who God is in your life. What has he done for you personally? Commit to him. Commit that knowledge of who he is in your life in a very practical and tangible way. Don't waver in this foundational understanding of who Jesus Christ is in your life. Know that he is master and Lord over your life. And do not revoke the keys from him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you today for your word. I thank you, God, that some of us may have come in today with a name that we did not desire to have reputation that was given to us by others, that we by no fault of our own unconsciously began to walk in.
the enemy has told lies about us, has called us thieves, liars, fornicators. And beyond all of that, even if those things are true, he said that there is no hope for us. But I'm here to take today to tell you that there is hope, and his name is Jesus. The Bible says that whoever comes to him, comes to him, and believes that he died for their sins, will be saved. So there, maybe there's someone here today that doesn't have, that didn't, never had that experience, doesn't know Christ for the pardon of their sins. And if that's you today, I want you to, I want to lead you into a prayer. And it's called the prayer of salvation. It just simply says that I no longer am master of my life. And Lord, I I desire for you to take lead, headship, and mastery of my life. If that's you today, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And it goes, Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I need you to come into my life and save me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that I do not have to go to hell, but I can be with the Father because you paid the price for my sins. Thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you, God, for this word. In Jesus' name. God, a hand praise for the word. Amen. Were you encouraged? Amen. You know, just sitting there listening to the sermon, the Lord just began to deal in my heart. I, I remember a time in my life when I just didn't know who I was. And it took some godly men and women stepping into my life and to speak the things of God over me because I believed some things about myself that just weren't true. And so I, I feel led today. I want to I pray.